as Dom said, my name's Ryan. And as a church, we have been going through this subject of looking at the gospel, looking at salvation, what it means. And we've been talking about it being a bit like a diamond with multiple different facets. But also we can see the whole idea of salvation like light. Now, light, it gives life. Uh, if you look at it scientifically and what the guys have been doing, sorry, look at what the guys have been doing at CERN, how when light rays collide, it creates matter and all that sort of stuff is powerful stuff. But if you look into it deeply, uh, if the tech guys could bring up the slide, you'll see that actually, if you put a prism in front of it, it will break out into multiple different lights. Red lights, green light, all these different rays of light. When it comes together, it is the big white light of salvation or white light that split off. It shows off different lights. And that's the same with salvation. Uh, thanks, tech guys. Um, salvation itself, it is one big word, but actually is made up of many different light rays that comes out of it. Each one brings its own sort of colour, its own unique strand. And so far, as a church, we've looked at what it means to be born again, what it looks, uh, we've looked at justification and what it means to be justified. And today, we're looking at the whole idea of being ransomed. Now, let's be honest, if I said ransom to you, the first place your mind would naturally go, as did mine, I'm going to be honest, is kidnapping. Okay, great thing to talk about versus thing on a Sunday morning about kidnappers. But actually, when someone's kidnapped, there's often a ransom that has to be paid in order to get them back. Um, and for me, one a great example of this, of a real-life kidnapping that kind of displays all about what ransom is, is the kidnapping of uh, J. Paul Getty III back in the 70s. Now, um, for those of you who probably aren't aware, or if you haven't seen uh, the movie, All the Money in the World, which uh, is a retelling of the kidnapping of J. Paul Getty III, and actually the only way I probably knew about it, um, is, uh, so J. Paul Getty, it was the, was the richest man in the world in the 70s, had loads and loads of money, was in oil, where all the money seemed to be at that point. But his grandson was kidnapped, and the ransomers wanted, I think it was 17 million for him, now, back then, 17 million, it's, okay, it's a lot now, but back in the 70s, it was so much more. And actually, John uh, J. Paul Getty uh, could have paid that ransom off for his grandson. But he said no. You can watch more about what happened in, in the book or just look up about kidnapping itself. But for me, that whole story shows kind of the heart of what ransom is. There's a, it's basically about the captive, the cost, and the ransomer, the one who per, pays the ransom. So what does this look like biblically? How can the whole idea of ransom be applied to us today? So let's go through each of those three sections of what ransom is. The captive, the cost, and the ransomer. So the captive. Who is the one that's captive? Truth is, it's us. We are the ones who are captive. 
Jesus states that we are all slaves to sin. In John 8, 34, he says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, he's making a very big point here. I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now for us in the 21st century, Mark Buchanan, what? I'm a slave to sin? I'm a slave? I'm captive? No, I'm free to do whatever I like. I'm not captive. I'm not held back. Freedom's part of my culture. I can do what I like. I'm not in chains. Truth is, we are. It's in a way kind of like um, what the, a character in probably one of my favourite Christmas movies ever, A Muppet's Christmas Carol, Marley and Marley. The, if you can remember the story of when Scrooge meets uh, his uh, colleague Marley in Christmas Carol and Marley and Marley in the Muppets version, so much better. Um, they're in chains. And he, and the Marley brothers sing to, Mar, uh, to Scrooge that your chains are forged by what you say and do. The chains that they appear in is as a result of the chains that they had formed for themselves during this life. And that is a way of looking at it, that we are, during this life, we are kind of in chains. We don't see them because that they're just formed. But we are, we are sinners. Now, we, you might think, oh, but in Christmas Carol, it's all about greed and being good and all that. If I'm good, nice, I don't have chains. It's worse than that. It's not so much about what you say and do. It's a natural state. By default, we are rebels to God. We, and as a result, we form chains. We are captives. And a, a, a spoken word artist by the name of Propaganda kind of puts our sorry state like this. Sin is a cancer, an asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection but silly us trying to pass this course of life without referring to syllabus this is us keep up your good deeds chant pray meditate but all of that of course is spraying cologne on a corpse or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink it's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe but all of that ends with how good is good enough as people we are striving to be good enough. We're striving for kind of perfection to get out of the chains. We're always trying to find a way to save ourselves. But we are trapped. We are slaves. We are captives. So what's the cost? What is the cost to get us free from our chains? What is the cost for us to get out of sin? And a clear way of looking at it is in the book of Leviticus. Now, it's a book we don't normally like talking about because we find it really difficult to understand. It's sort of long, full of laws, if you've read it. And it speaks in a culture which we don't get, we don't know. It's written to a nomadic people, a people in the desert just living in a tent, no house moving around, hardly any belongings. And it talks a lot about animals being key. It's their equivalent of property. And so within Leviticus, it's uh, kind of 
list of laws, kind of telling people what happens when you sin, when say, uh, when you sin, when you rebel against God, and actually what to do to kind of put it right. And it was really clear on the cost. In Leviticus four verses one to three, it says this. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the people of Israel, saying, if anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments. So that's kind of talking about the Ten Commandments. Don't lie, don't murder, don't covet, uh, honour your mother and father, all of that. Uh, in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done, and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus guilt, bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. Now, we think of that as a bull, as a cow. And we think, oh, bring a cow as a kind of sin offering. That's not that costly. But actually, when you look into it, it is. So... If you look at it in kind of today's culture, if you went out, let's say, and decided, oh, I'm going to buy a cow, it's going to cost, uh, not any cow, a bull. That's going to cost you in around of three to four thousand pounds. So imagine every time you sin, every time you obey, rebel God, that's how much you're going to have to pay in order to, to be free of it. But, but the thing is with a bull is, it's more it's the cost of potential as well what was that bull going to bring in order to to expand your sort of wealth as well so it's a cost of kind of financial but also in terms of future as well okay if you can afford thankfully in the bible uh in the book of leviticus it goes on to say actually if you cannot afford a bull then you can sacrifice a lamb but if you can't afford that you can uh, offer two birds. And if you can't afford two birds, you can offer a tenth of fine flour and oil. Each of those in those sort of poverty, in those sort of financial groups, shows that actually there's a cost. It's significant to sin. It's a significant cost to give up your, to sin, to rebel, to kind of break free from that. And it's huge. The priests doing it back then. We may think of priests today as being, oh, all right, holy and holy, all dressed in colours, not getting blood on them, not getting a stain on them. But actually, back then, it's their sign of actually bringing peace to God. It wasn't through prayers, but it's through blood sacrifices constantly. And this is the cost of our sin, death. The animals took their took the place of people for a short time. Notice how in Leviticus it said, if anyone sins unintentionally, it's very much a one-off. There's this anticipation of, this is going to have to keep on recurring to pay this off, to pay this debt, to get right with God. It's cyclical and it's huge. That is the cost. Death is cost. So we've looked at the captive, at the, who is captive. We've looked at the cost and how big it is for us to try and pay off, to try and get back to perfection, to get back to, in a right relationship with God. 
but who is the ransomer? Who is the one that ultimately pays it off? And that's Jesus. If you look in Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20, it says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That is in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was to dwell and through him to reconcile himself, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace like the blood of the cross. Jesus is God. God himself, where all creation points towards all creation is under his control remember when i was talking about j paul getty how he was the richest man in the world with all the wealth jesus he's in fact the richest man the most powerful man in the universe in the cosmos and yet it is through him he brought reconciliation it is through him that we are united back with god he is the one that pays the cost the son of man jesus came and died on the cross to set us free he says in mark 10 verse 45 that even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many when we think back at christmas about jesus coming in a manger this is why he came he came into this world born of a virgin to ransom us back, to pay the cost that we have to pay in order to get back in a right relationship with God. If you remember, I mentioned at the start about uh, J. Paul Getty, the richest man in the world, and his grandson being ransomed for 17 million. Eventually, they managed to negotiate it down to a ransom of 3 million, which even J. Paul Getty didn't fully pay. He actually paid $2.2 million and a loan to his son for the other 800,000 with a 4% interest to pay him back. But Jesus, Jesus' death, through it, he completely paid off our ransom, completely. In John 8, 36, it says, so if the son sets you free, which is what Jesus does on the cross, you will be free indeed. And this is the truth. At the cross, Jesus, in effect, wrote his life down on a check to pay off everything for us. And at the resurrection, we can cheer because it means that the check was clear, that it was completely paid off, that we owed nothing. There is nothing we need to do now in order to, we don't have to pay Jesus off. We don't have to pay it back we don't have to pay everything he's done for us with interest no now he's completely paid it's paid in full and if you're listening to this today and you wouldn't call yourself a christian you're still enslaved there's still a cost for you to pay which you can't pay to be free from the burden of sin to free from from the guilt of it all 
And the way to be made free is to faith, have faith in Jesus. And Jesus alone will you be able to break free of these chains. But as a Christian, if you're sitting today watching this, this is so freeing. The whole idea of actually Jesus being ransomed for us is amazing because it shows how much you're worth. In, you know, in those moments when you're at work and you feel undervalued or at home, you don't feel like you're being valued enough by the people around you. Remember, look up and see that actually it's through Christ's death that gives you the ultimate value, that the fact that he thought you were worth enough, you were worth to die on the cross for, to pay off the ransom. That is amazing. Lift up your heads. In those moments when you feel worthless, like you're in your lows, the lows, lift up your head and you see that Christ's death gives you that ultimate value, that you are something of worth. And you know what? In those moments when you feel like you have to earn God's love, when you feel like you've done something wrong, when you feel like you have to, con- you have to pay it back, you have to earn his love, just look to the cross, look to Jesus and remember that actually he paid the ransom off in full. There's nothing for you to pay off anymore. We're gonna, I'm going to pray now and we're going to go back to Paul for, to worship from this amazing truth. Father God, thank you. That is through Jesus that our debt has been paid. It is through Jesus' death on the cross that we see how much you really love us. The fact that you were, that Jesus was willing to die on the cross to pay us his life, to pay the cost of what it is for us to be separated from you, to bring be brought back into a relationship with you. I just thank you. I just, just, just thank you. And I just pray that we'll just not just remember this as head knowledge, but remember it in heart knowledge that actually this affects us on a day-to-day life as well i just pray that this would transform us as we as we go about and live for you in light of this truth i pray this in your son's holy name amen